Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast, where we take a snapshot of the current sporting world. Today's episode is made possible by Beckin, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist. Here is your host, Max Becker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by AFL player agent Winston Rouse and Gavin Becker. Welcome, boys. Thanks, Maxi. Appreciate that. Great to uh, great to be part of the podcast. Yeah, Max, I um, I enjoy sitting here with you, and hopefully, I can add a little bit of value to your podcast. As once again, I contribute nothing other than a few silly questions and maybe a few laughs. laughs. All right, Winston, can you tell me a bit more about how about where you grew up and about a bit about your story as a kid? Were you into sport? What sort of sports did you play as a kid? Also, where did you grow up? So, man, actually, I, I grew up in the Western District of Victoria on a farm um, uh, near a town called Darlington. And yep. uh, for the first, um, up until about year nine, I went to school in the country before being sent off to boarding school in Melbourne. Um, when I was growing up, played a lot of uh, football for school and locally, um, cricket, tennis, uh, and actually did some sailing, which was, uh, which was all good fun. Um, and I, uh, I loved footy more than anything. I loved watching a, a lot on TV. Um, from a sporting ability point of view, Maxi, I probably wasn't the best. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time at centre half bench, but um, loved every <laughs> loved every minute of it, mate. So that was me growing up. And when I moved to town um, when I was fourteen, boarding school, liked that, enjoyed that, and I've sort of been in Melbourne ever since. When did you know that you wanted to get into sports management of AFL players and how did you go about that? Or like, did you do a certain degree or what was it that you did at school and stuff like that to prepare yourself for this? I was always interested in doing sports management, even even from a um, sort of going through my teenage years in the country, but um, didn't really understand the pathway at that stage and probably got sidetracked by a few um different industries that I was looking to do. When I first uh, finished school, I worked really hard on, to get a score to get into the property industry. Yeah. Um, and after spending, you know, a few a few months studying that, I knew that that wasn't for me. I still had that interest in sport um, and sports management. Yes. Started to find a little bit more about it and, and just looked for opportunities to, to try and get involved. And eventually I was able to, to break into that. How did you end up in AFL sports management? Tell me about the story of how you started with Ricky Nixon. Uh, yeah, well, I've, um, it's, uh, it was basically after, after doing my business degree, um, I global financial crisis had hit and there wasn't a yes. lot of grad, grad jobs going in anything. And I was still really keen to get into the sports industry, um, even though I'd, I'd done a more generic business degree. Um, and I'd saved up a lot of money through hospitality and retail work whilst I was at uni. So I wasn't in a rush to get a paid job necessarily. So I knew I could do some work experience and um, support myself for a yes. period of time. So uh, on the front page of the, the paper one day, I saw that, that Ricky had crashed his car um, into a tram and, and was busted drink driving. Uh, and there I saw, I saw an opportunity to email and call Ricky and his uh, reception and send emails and um, try and hassle him up and say, look, I'll, I'll drive you around when you don't have a license in exchange for work experience because I want to learn the ins and outs of the sporting industry. And um, 
uh, eventually Ricky relented. He It took him probably a month or, or six weeks. Wow. Or, or Gav, Gav might remember the story. Apparently someone pulled my resume from the bin and said, why wouldn't you? Um, why wouldn't you give it a crack just for some experience? So, um, that was it, mate. And I, uh, no, very appreciative of it. It was a, a different way in, and I started um, working for Ricky a day a week, driving him around, learning everything, and and then a day a week became two, and then three, and then eventually, yeah, was able to get full time work and build relationships with clients, players, and um, been loving him ever since. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, mate. You... Um, touching in on yeah. that, Maxi. I'll just touch yeah. in on that. I think Winston. That's like kind of the the best part and what I love about what you've done. And I think for the kids listening, you know, Max's age, um, the the thing that, you know, I guess a lot don't understand now is the hard work that it takes to get somewhere. And, you know, the fact that you'd save some money and put yourself in a position to be able to go and offer your services for free. And when you're seeing an opportunity, um, you took that opportunity and, and put yourself out there and then, um, you know, you're fast tracked to where you are today. It's just amazing. And I, that's the kind of thing I love about it. I think it's um, it's what people don't do enough of now. And you know, for all the kids listening, it's just such a great story. Take some some guidance and some insight out of that of um, being able to work hard, save your money, and then put yourself in a position where you might learn something. And, and through that, you've done what you've done, Winnie. And it's just a it's an awesome um, story. story. I think it's, yeah. It, yeah, it says a lot for the person that you are, mate, to, to where you got to today. Appreciate that, Gavin and Max. I see not a lot of difference in what you're doing right now with the podcast. Yes. You're, you're having a crack. You're giving it a go, and you never know where it might lead or who you might meet. Or, um, you know, six, seven years down the track, the people that you've interviewed, you know, they want, they'll remember. So it's uh, credit to you as well. What do you think your competitive advantage is when you're talking to all your players that like you manage? Is it because you get along with them well, or like? What is your advantage over other, other sports management people? I think it's that ability to build trust and, and build meaningful relationships more than anything. We, we don't take on um, as many clients as maybe some others because we're a bit more boutique. So being able to provide a really individualised service for every one of our guys and they, they sort of know that we're there for them in the good times and the bad. We really care um, and it's just not you know, numbers on mass for us. So um, just, I suppose, that emotional intelligence as well to, yeah. to, to understand their needs, know when the right time to call is, right time to assist. And I think that that really sets us apart because we're, we're a bit more of a family-style company. Um, we never look to get too big with it all. And, and we really um, drill down onto caring for our players and providing them with, um, you know, a lot of our time and our resources go into making them better people and, um, both on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Who takes up most of your time in the player management? Is there one player that is harder to manage than others? Um, I enjoy all the challenges of the player management for sure, Maxie. I mean, you, I wouldn't say it's more time than others or um, anything like that. There'd just be some circumstantial ones where, and it might not necessarily relate to you know, huge commercial deals. It just might be because of our philosophy of care. You've got a guy like um, Jacob Townsend who's yeah. been out of contract. He's been in the system eight to nine years now and he's been out of contract, you know, most of those years. I think from that he's only really ever had the one multi-year deal and every off-season, every trade period, it seems like we're having the same conversation, pitching him to clubs, trying to get him um, another contract with his current club. So he's yeah. one that, that I love um, being a part of his journey because 
you know, it is that push that, you know, in mid-2015 and early 2015, speaking to Richmond on a regular basis as he was stuck and frustrated playing twos um, up at the Giants and working through that situation. So, you know, he's just someone yeah. who I've spent a lot of time with. Jared Lyons, similarly, is someone who, you know, was took him a while to get established at Adelaide. Um, and every, you know, every other year at Adelaide, there were clubs sort of interested in having a look to bring him across. And um, so some of those guys, it just, there's a little bit more to do at times because they're either out of contract more, they're on the periphery of their club's list, and um, you're constantly trying to pitch them to other clubs and, and work yeah. through that situation. So really enjoyable because, you know, when you do get, you know, Towner to Essendon for that one last gig you know you know that um or that next gig you, you know you've had a, a really big influence in you know speaking to those clubs keeping them in the loop and getting them that opportunity whereas someone who might not have been willing to work that hard um to keep pushing clubs yeah. might not have been able to get for the player do you have to what go and like watch a lot of under 18s games to look at all the kids potential like superstars I've heard sometimes that you've had to travel all over the country and on the weekends to go and look at kids' games and meet parents. Is that true? If so, yeah. tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. And it was something that was instilled to me early days um, when I started to, as a bit of a point of difference, is to go to watch the players, to watch the players you, you're trying to sign, watch the players you have signed and find out what's next. And that might be as much as going to practice games in early um, early Feb each preseason, um, and yeah, I've been you know everywhere basically to go and watch under 18s football. Um, even under 16s, I go to the under 16s carnival every year in Queensland, which is sort of projecting two years out from the draft and trying to you know yeah. pick players that you like and you want to work with and and making the appropriate approach. Uh, we've got a question from a listener, Solly. Hi, Winston. Just. Just wondering how it can, how stressful it can get sometimes during the free agency period, managing so many players, and how does it feel when you're able to manage some of the best players in the AFL? And could you please name a few that you manage? Cheers, all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's um every job has its different stresses, and and just really you try and prepare as best you possibly can. I mean, with the trade period, there's a lot of a lot of things that are out of your control. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of other side deals that you don't think are related to the deal that you're trying to put through, but they do get linked up. Um, so, you know, you can sometimes be beholden to another deal, which holds up yours, and you can only control what you can control, and, and that's a focus, and that that's what helps sort of ease the stress of it all. Um, but it's also what you thrive on, what you do the job for, um, and it's exciting. It can be a bit like, you know, our grand final in a sense is yeah. – you know, when we try and work through that. So um, that's what works really well for us. And uh, in terms of some of the players we've managed along the journey, it could be, you know, premiership players like Easton Wood and Dale Morris, um, you know, young rising stars like um, Sammy Walsh. Um, we've got mm -hmm. some draftees coming through that we're really excited about as well. Um, you know, David Zarakis is another player that we've had yeah. a, you know, 10-year-plus journey with. So, um you know, enjoy all of those relationships and it's great to be part of their journey. Personally, what are the main things that you look for when you're recruiting players to sign with you? I think character and competitiveness. Um, obviously, you're going to need some AFL run, speed, endurance, um, AFL skills. But, you know, if the player's 
aren't of strong character, aren't competitive, um, they're the ones that are the best suited to the AFL and, and make great clients because they want the best out of everything in life because they're just looking to to get ahead, to win, to to work hard. And um, and generally people who, who or clients who work hard, the rewards come. So yeah. they're, they're a couple of the key characteristics that we look for. Do you have any involvement on game day with talking to players? Game day, it's a bit dependent on them, Max. Um, yeah. You've got you've got some guys who who don't mind giving a call and and just want to talk about you know their day or how it looks or what's coming up. But the yeah. majority of the times, we we leave them to their own devices. It's a it's a day of you know most have got their routine, and, and we let them do it the day before. Often we'll catch up with interstate players who come to Melbourne, um, you know, when they're staying at their hotel or um, we'll give them a quick call, wish them luck, find out what's going on, um, you know, and anything we can help or assist with. So that's usually the standard. There'd be some guys who, yeah, they do make it part of their routine to give us a call. How is it being involved in trade week when all the AFL trades are happening as a player manager? Do you thrive on it or is it stressful? Yeah, thrive on it. It's definitely stressful, but at the same stage, you know, that's where I guess, um, you know, you're proven for the work that you've done and, and how much time you put into it. Um, and it's where a lot of your work can pay off and, and, and good management can make the difference um, during that period because it's it's negotiating on the run at times. It's working different relationships. It's, it's helping understanding what your player wants and, and how to deliver that in the best possible way. And, and usually that's, you know, that can be the time where the players are most grateful um, yeah. for the work that we do, whether that's um, filling them in on, on the day-to-day changes of the trade period or, or even thanking for us when a, do, you know, a deal gets done or we provide some advice around sometimes, you know, providing players with a bit of balance when they've got a decision to make, whether they should yeah. go, whether they should stay, sign, extend. You know, that's really when the relationship comes to the fore. What's it like for you when, you know, if one of your players that you manage gets traded, like maybe without requesting the trade, is it frustrating or? It's it's actually something that's um that's never never really happened to me in, in my ten years. Um, there's maybe a conversation that can happen because most of the time the player will control it to an element, especially if he's contracted. Like if he's contracted and um, a club looks to trade. Um, the player, it, the player still needs to agree to it. So yeah. you do have control in that situation. I know within our organisation there was one a couple of years ago where a player had a year to go um, and the club wanted a player from another club and were looking to trade our player out as part of it. They thought, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get more opportunities. And the player, with the, our player with a year to go, decided, no, you know what, I'll, I'll back myself in where I am. I'll try and prove myself I'm enjoying it. I think I can break in and I think I'm good enough. So, you know, essentially he made the decision that he didn't want to be part of that trade. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's the value of the contract, Max. And it, and it goes it goes both ways. You know, sometimes the player um, will get what he wants because of the contract and sometimes the clubs will be able to, you know, hold the player because they own the contract as well. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty equal like that. How many what, hours? What's the best yeah. deal you've been a part of? Hey, Winston, what's the best deal you've been a part of in um, trade week in the way of, was there some deal that you pulled off or last minute? You always hear these stories that the paperwork was lodged in the last five minutes before the deadline. Was there something that went down to the wire and um, you got a real kick out of it? 
I think, um, and technically not in trade period, but the the Jared Lyons delisting deal from a couple of years ago when he had a year to go on the Gold Coast had never been done before. Um, and that was a whirlwind 48 hours post-trade period from, you know, the Saturday when I called him at, at one o'clock and said I might have a very unique opportunity for him to flying up there, you know, Sunday Sunday night, meeting him and his partner, talking through the Brisbane approach. And then, you know, 24 hours after that, we've pretty much, he's agreed to make the move and we've got to try and get a bit creative about how that deal gets done and, and what it looks like and, and working with all parties in the AFL, Gold Coast, Brisbane, yeah. about how we're able to get him, you know, essentially released from his contract and then picked up as a delisted free agent. So that, that was a real... Um, buzz in a sense because it, it had never really been done. Um, everyone had felt like there was not going to be a – the trade period was over, so there was no way that a player could get to another club who had a contract. So it was really, you know, the first of its kind, exciting. And Jared, someone who I've known since he was sort of 17. And um, so that relationship is really important because he he relied heavily on, you know, our advice and our, our guidance. And, um, yeah, that was that was certainly one that sticks sticks to mind. How many hours do you think you would usually work in a day during the trade period? Um, very dependent on, on how many deals you, you've got on the on the go. Um, it, it's probably on and off 10 to 12 hours. Um, cool. Yeah, there, there can be some long days in that. And it probably depends, you know, how complicated some of the deals are. Like last trade period, I had a lot of my work done in the first – two to three days, um, you know, getting Ed Langdon to uh, to Melbourne. Um, we'd set it all up early. The clubs were a little bit reliant on the clubs getting together and agreeing uh, and being at a reasonable point, which we were able to manage the expectations of both clubs going into it. Um, and therefore, you know, that, done, that, that deal was done um, relatively quickly um, in respect to some other deals that, that didn't get done later on. So, you know, towards the back end of the trade period with sort of two, three days to go, yeah, you, you're pulling some long days then for sure. Yeah. How have you helped manage Paddy McCartan over the last few years because he has had like really serious concussions? Do you think he'll play again? I mean, I think the decision is going to be completely up to him and, and the medical um, departments who are, are really optimistic about where he's at and, and Paddy is at um, a pretty good place right now but over the, the past well his whole career in a sense it's it's been you know more about that that welfare support you know being someone there to talk to um, trying to understand as much as we can about what he's going through and um, it's really that that support more than anything so whether it's catching up with him on a regular basis, speaking to him over the phone on a regular basis, going for a walk, um, having a coffee. Um, that's really the key thing. And a lot of the times it's just it's listening um, yeah. and providing, uh, you know, some balanced advice that that is there to benefit him and, and make sure that he understands, you know, he's got all the time to, to continue to work through it. And there's a lot of other things outside of football that, you know, he can put his time into and um, get a few wins there as well. So, but um, at this stage, you know, he's, He's uh, more advanced than, than than maybe some doctors thought he would be. He's in a really good space, um, and everyone's pretty optimistic about where that can get to. Do you think if Paddy did play again, do you think he'd get to like the top gun that he was kind of starting to become at St Kilda? 
I, I, I think um, knowing Paddy for so long, I don't think there's anything that, you know, he's not able to achieve. So I wouldn't put a ceiling on anything. Um, and I think he's he hasn't lost any of his attributes that, that had him, you know, picked as a number one pick. Um, he's you know, a hard worker and uh, he's got great hands. So none of that's gone. It's just needs a bit of continuity and a, probably a little bit of luck his way. So, no, absolutely high hopes that um, yeah, should he get back to playing football that it can he can reach some great heights in the AFL. What is it like to be the agent of a big-name player like David Zaharakis? Um, look, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, overall, you know, you, you've got the contract side of things, which is um, comes up every few years, which is uh, um, always fun uh, and a good experience and, you know, really test yourself as an agent. And then you've got all the marketing to be involved with, but then more. So it's, it's the relationship, you know, you start off as the manager and, and often friendship is a byproduct of the management relationship. So, you know, you, you get quite close. David's a, a ripping young man who we've known for a long time. So, no, really enjoyable to be part of part of his journey and, and all our players' journey. And whether it's high profile or low profile, Maxie, we, um, you know, we're yeah. invested in all our guys. Yeah. Who is your favourite player in the AFL, even if he is not managed by you? I still would pay to see um, a fit Buddy Franklin rip it up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, some of the things that uh, he does on the footy field or can do on the footy field, I don't think anyone can emulate. And, um, you know, the way the whole crowd gets behind him, uh, what he does, I was lucky enough to be there when he, you know, when he kicked those goals against Essendon. And, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone can match what, what he can do, even though he's sort of coming towards the end of his career. So, yeah, I would have to say Buddy. What is the weirdest ritual or superstitions that one of your players does pre-game, and who is that player? I I can't I can't name anyone with anything completely bizarre. You know, there's some players who yeah. might you know left foot, left boot first, left sock first, right, um, red jocks, but nothing that comes to mind on that one, Maxie. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. too many who've got anything that is uh, is completely out there. During this difficult time of COVID-19, how do you manage the players and what do you do in these sort of times? Really, it's just regular contact. Um, we actually are not really meant to, to meet face-to-face, so it's a lot of time over phone, Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, whatever it might be, and just trying to keep them updated um, yeah. on what's always changing. You know, some of the key questions are, you know, when do you think we're going to get back to football? Um, you know, what does the pay um, the pay reductions mean? How are they placed financially? Um, what are the, what are the um, instruments that we can look to use from the government point of view or, you know, with banks holding off loans? Who's that necessary for? So it's really, again, you know, similar to other players. It's just, it's just that support um, holistically, you know, financially, welfare, how are their families? Um, and just working through with them and, and constantly getting updates from the AFL Players Association and AFL to see, you know, what the next week, fortnight, month looks like and, and updating our players on all of that. Yeah. Uh, what, final question. What would be your recommendation for a kid if they wanted to get into sports management? What would you tell them to do? I mean, I, I think the... Um, is obviously do really well at school, Maxi. Put some time in there. Um, but it's worth doing a sports management degree if you can get into it. But probably more important than that is 
you know, when I look at a, a resume, I, I want to see that they've um, the applicant has worked in, in a range of different industries to support themselves through uni or through schooling or whatever it might be, you know, hospitality, retail. I want to see someone who's been able to do, you know, no job too small or too big for them, that they've been willing to get their hands dirty, but also certainly network and volunteer for things. So whether that be, you know, your local footy club, trying to get involved there as much as you can in the, in the off-field point of view. Yeah. Um, the businesses relating to that, um, offering, you know, whatever it might be, a service that adds value to somewhere where you can get experience, somewhere where you can get um, a greater insight into the whether it's the club land or sports management land or, or whatever that might be. So get active, um, hustle hard, work hard, and, um, you know, say yes more than you say no to, to any opportunity because, yeah, you never know where it, where it might leave lead to you and um yeah to think creatively about what that looks like well thank you winston and gavin for joining us today on this another episode of sporting max pleasure absolute pleasure max it was one of the best podcasts i've ever been a part of <laughs> you're a legend maxi i didn't contribute much mate but yeah thanks winston appreciate it i i think you know your story is awesome and the insights you're giving to to the audience of Max's and especially the kids around you know, some real um, values and principles to, to live life by. I think they're, they're great insights that kids can really learn from. And I totally agree with you, mate. You've got to put your hand up and say yes to as many things as possible. And um, we're really about learning and, and finding opportunities to learn and be, being able to have better conversations and connecting with people. And that's your skill. And Winston, that's what you do really well and, um, you know, you're able to connect with people on a deeper level and create true friendships that you're adding value to each other and, um, you know, I think your story of how you started in player management is all about that. You know, you offered your services for free to drive Ricky Nixon around after you've seen a, a picture on the front of the Herald Sun that he crashed his car. That's taking the opportunity and um, and making something of it and, and then look where you are today, mate. You're a credit to yourself and well done and appreciate your time. Nah, not a problem. Thanks for the kind words, Gav and, and Max. And uh, no, really enjoyed it. And it's good to reminisce. And yeah, it was a, a bit of luck involved along the journey. But yeah, a lot of the times, you, yeah, you can make your own luck. And I'm sure you will too, Maxie. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Keep listening and tune in for another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by Beckon, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist.